This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast, episode 34. The show where we talk about manga not only as a medium, but as an industry. And I am Love Ramayasha. And today, we are welcoming you to our podcast to welcome you to the ballroom. Our welcome to the ballroom discussion, that is. It's going to be quite a discussion. I've got Colton here with me to discuss this great dance board manga that is sure to be one of the best anime of the upcoming summer season. Provided you can actually watch it on Anime Strike, which is yeah. where I'll probably be. Wait a minute. That isn't Colton. No. No! You're a guy <laughs> No! Who let you back in here again? Why? Why? Where is Colton now, we Lord GTC? I'm tired of this! Three times is enough! Um, since I can't figure out a good joke for this, I'm pretty sure he's just recording his Benny Zucker podcast for Life Lessons right now. Ditching the podcast again to record another podcast? He's cheating on me with his own podcast? Yes, the podcast that he started before this. I'm wounded. I am terribly wounded. I'm not even on the Betty Zakra guest list. Makes me sad. Poor, poor Sid. It's fine. Isn't that like the arc that got you into Gintama? Technically, it's like our first exposure to Gintama. Because yeah. we both watched the Benny Zakra movie, and that was like, yeah, Gintama's cool. Let's read the manga now. And so we did. So yeah, we did get into Gintama's through Benny Zakra. Yeah. So. We should be on that podcast. God damn it. Well, I should. I've I feel only, jilted. I've only read like three chapters of Gintama and watched like the first 15 episodes. You gotta get back on that Gintama, bro. But Gintama's so long. It's not that long. Come, yeah, this you read all of Detective Conan. You watched all of Detective Conan. Detective Conan's not like, long. It's almost 900 episodes. That's not long. That's three times longer than Gintama. <laughs> I also read through all JoJo. That's yeah. true. That's also, like, twice as long as Gintama, so... Yeah. Also One Piece, but One Piece was, like, a whole, like, childhood thing. Yeah, but you you can't give me crap for this. Gintama's too long to get into when you got into Conan and JoJo. But I have too many things to read. Like, what? We're sitting in front of, like, 80 volumes of manga right now. None of which you've read. Oh, I read that one volume of Ultimo right there. One volume of Ultima. I'm that you've already read three years ago. Actually, it's probably four years ago at this point. Four years ago, right. So you reread one volume in the last week. One volume of manga. Actually, that was like two weeks ago. But... Two weeks ago! And partway through volume two? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Some real manga maverick you are. You're, you're such a great manga expert. That's Hello. why we keep having you back on the show. Because you're just so knowledgeable. <laughs> you just read so much manga, Wheelord. Well, well, think of the bright side. I'm caught up a detective code and I'm like you. Hey, I would be too if it was available legally. It is available legally. Well, if a the good latest chunk... chapters were available legally. Yeah, you still have like a good, like, what, 50 volumes that you have to read that are available legally? 50 volumes? What? That would mean I haven't read past... Actually, probably like 40. That seems a little more accurate. Because you stopped right around Hyperos. You still have like Vermouth, and Kier, and Anna. Hey, I read Vermouth. up to the introduction of the FBI. Like I read the actual Vermouth reveal or when the FBI first appeared? 
when James Black first appeared. Okay, yeah, that's still, like, pretty that's early. That's, like, volume 30-something. So that's pretty early in the Vermouth arc. I guess, but, like, the Wiz run is at, what, volume 64? So, like, 63, I think, but, I yeah. read half of what is legally available. Yeah, you haven't gotten to the best part, Sid. And I used to keep up with Conan. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I read the entire Bourbon arc. You did not read the entire Bourbon arc. I read from when Bourbon himself was introduced. Okay, that's like near the halfway point of the Bourbon arc. Yeah. Because they don't introduce Bourbon, which is weird about the Bourbon arc. They have like fucking another character who they keep trying to troll you (laughs) to think he's Bourbon. But the actual person who's Bourbon doesn't appear until like near the halfway point. Before one of the greatest cases of all time, the Jet Black Mystery Train. Amazing case. It is an amazing case, that is. Yeah. Probably yeah. my favorite case in Conan. Why are we talking about Conan? We, we're going to talk about Conan in some podcast down yeah. the line, I'm sure. When, once Conan but... comes back for the Thousandth Chapter, we're going to have that podcast. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Probably. It's, it's happening. Okay. You're, you're doing it. You're going to show the world that you are the biggest <laughs> Conan fan in the world. I mean, I don't know about that. Probably be like someone like Doctor or someone who's been in the fandom. Well, that's what we're gonna see, aren't we? I guess. Anyway, that's that's a great tease for a podcast that won't be out in two months, probably. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess you're here. I'm stuck with you. I guess we might as well talk about news. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about how great it is. That manga is so cheap nowadays. Yeah. Like, you can get so much manga for so cheap. Because how much manga have we just gotten in the last few months at such great deals? How many volumes? At least 50 volumes. Probably more than that, actually. Yeah, that, we got 50 volumes at least at uh, Annie Minneapolis. Yeah, so, so it's probably more like 80 or something. Yeah, at yeah. the very least. And we got that at great prices. Yeah. Like... And especially what's great is how cheap digital manga can be. Because there's, like, always digital manga sales on Comicology, and they're always, like, half off, and they're really great. But what's also great is when you get a humble bundle. Because those are absurd deals. Absurd deals. For people who are used to gaming, humble bundle's, like, the go-to thing for deals, usually. Right. Like, oh, there's a 2K humble bundle. Oh, there's a Nintendo humble bundle. Oh. Capcom Humble Bundle, you're always going to get a good deal on them. Yeah, we got that Satoni Hey Humble Bundle yeah. a couple months ago. How much was that? That was all Knights of Sidonia plus... It was all series. Knights of Sidonia plus the Apossums one-shot, which I think Kodansha Simul pumping the actual series now. <laughs> then uh, Blame Academy, and then the first two volumes of Vertical's release of Blame. Yeah, and how much was that to get? That was about, I think, 15 or $17 dollars. Fifteen or seventeen dollars for what would run you up at least three hundred dollars worth of manga. Yeah, right there, probably insane deal. I couldn't fathom a deal better than that. Yeah. A deal in this sheer quantity of manga that's so superior. Until yeah. this week, Humble and Kondansha USA have really outdone themselves this time. I'm not the biggest fan of Fairy Tail. <laughs> the I, biggest fan? No, I'm not. But even I know a good deal when I see it. Yeah. 45 volumes of Fairy Tale. Four volumes of Fairy Girls. Two volumes of Ice Trail. 
Fairy Tale Zero, three volumes of Fairy Tale Blue Mistral. You got Fairy Tale Rotenite, you got Fairy Tale Twin Dragon and Sabertooth, and you got two exclusive bonus comics. You also get a Funimation subscription discount. How much do you think that would ring you up if you were to try to buy all that? $630, according to the fucking Humble Bundle thing? Yes, exactly. <laughs> $630 worth of digital manga, and you can get it all for just $17. And you know what the best part is? Because, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of fairy tale in the world, but you know what's the best part about getting this Humble Bundle? It's not the manga itself. The manga itself. <laughs> it's not but the manga itself. The, yeah, because what's great about it is that the money you're giving goes to charity. That's yeah. what's amazing about Humble Bundle. Yeah, the other cool this. thing about Humble Bundle is that if you go down to the payment thing, you can actually choose how you distribute the money. So what percentage of it goes to charity, what percentage of it goes to Kodanji USA, and what percentage of it goes to Humble Bundle itself. And you can choose which charity you can give your money to. Yeah, that's also a really cool thing. Awesome customization! Yeah. You get to give to charity, and you get hundreds of dollars worth of content back in return, even if that content isn't that good! <laughs> How can you turn an offer like that down? Obviously I got it. Yeah, I mean, like, even if you're just in for the actual main series of Fairy Tale, you're essentially still paying only, like, 30 cents per volume. Yeah. But if you're taking all, like, the spinoffs that are with this, it's insane. Like, jeez, I thought the Sutomo Nihei Humble Bundle was great, but this is insane. Yeah, listen, if you're a Fairy Tale fan out there, I don't know how you can pass up this insanely amazing offer. Like, uh, and even if you're not a Fairy Tale fan, might as well give it a shot. Yeah. Getting so much manga for this cheap can't hurt. And you're given to a good cause. It's like a win-win situation. Yeah. It's it's good. Yeah. Hit Humble Bundle up, folks. This is an insane, absurd deal that you really ought to take advantage of. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep an eye out for more awesome manga Humble Bundles in the future. Yeah, I, really, I really hope Kodansha, like, even if if they want to try this out, do some humble, more humble bundles because, yeah, they're great deals and they're cool. Oh man, could you imagine a Wiz humble bundle for One Piece? One Piece, Hunter Hunter, Yu Yu Hakusho. I don't know. No, but specifically so for things. One Piece, think about it. You can get all eighty-five volumes of One Piece for just seventeen dollars. Think about how amazing that deal would be. Yeah, that that would be pretty cool. Oh my god. Mon can dream, can't they? That that yeah. would be an amazing way Mon- to get all of One Piece digitally. Western manga publishers hit up Humble Bundle and partner with them and do some cool deals. Yeah, for charity. Yeah. It probably doesn't make you much money to do this, but it's for charity. It's for a good cause. That's why you do it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we're plucking that because it's for a good cause and it's a great deal for manga consumers. But now we're going into serialization news. And first up, we're going to clarify Nami Sano's new manga, what it's going to be called. It's going to be called Migi Judari. Nami Sano being the mangaka of Haven't You Heard, I'm Sakamoto. We previously reported that her new manga was going to be about some hot-ass twins. And now we have more details about the story. It's going to take place in an home of a middle-aged couple. A boy was delivered to them by an angel. Can we just insert Dragon Ball Z ending 2 here, where they say angel? Uh, I don't know how that's relevant. You know, 
Previously, this was reported as a story about like attractive twins. But was it? Based, yeah, but like based on the. Oh wait, no, I see the other twin under the table. See, I thought this was going to be like some tragic story about like you know one of the twins might have passed away or he's like illusion. But no, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, interesting premise. What's your opinion, Sakamoto? Uh, well, I've only seen the anime, but the anime was pretty funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It was a hit at, all, at one of our Happiness V parties, wasn't it? Yeah. It's a good time. Good time. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in this. I'm, I'm sure it's going to get licensed. You know, it's also a good time, my lord. What? Princess Jellyfish by Akiko Higashimura. Finally, it is back from Hiatus. Yeah. Yeah. And new chapter just came out today. Obviously, bought it. I haven't read it yet, but oh man, it's Princess Jellyfish. I'm excited, but I'm also have this lingering like trepidation, for lack of a better word, because we knew for a while that Princess Jellyfish is approaching its climax, and I like they're loving it. In. They keep in August <laughs> issue of Kadansha's Kids Magazine. They keep rubbing it in that the manga is in its climax and its final arc, and it's like. I know, I know Princess Jellyfish is ending. You know, you don't have to keep reminding me. Well, maybe you some don't have to keep making it feel so sad. sad. Maybe some people reading Kiss Magazine don't read Princess Jellyfish actively. are like, oh, hey, it's ending now. Maybe I should go buy the volumes and check it out. Well, why wouldn't you be checking out? Princess Jellyfish is amazing. Oh, but we'll think on the bright side. And that's why Ashimura is doing some more stuff down the line. That's true. That's a great thing about Gashimura. She has more projects in the works, including a new series called Bingo Bingo Basan, which, you know, she's producing the series. Like, it's actually being drawn and written by a Korean uh, artist called Jonggu Lee. I don't know what it really means that Gashimura is the producer. I'm guessing it's kind of like an Ultimo situation where she creates the concept and then, like, this Korean guy is doing everything else. Perhaps. But yeah, this manga is going to be about a South Korean girl named Senna, who becomes the new roommate of a girl called Wakaba, and they share mealtime habits and deepen their friendship. Sounds adorable. And these character designs look adorable. Yeah. And I don't know much about Jong Guzi, but I love Higashimura, and if she's Given the concept out for this and endorsing this manga, then heck yeah, I want to read it. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. You know what else is a good time? Silver Spoon, which is also coming back from hiatus. Silver Spoon is finally returning after its long hiatus since last September on July 5th. It's coming back for what will probably be its final stretch of chapters, and it's also yeah. making me so sad! Did you read the last batch of chapters? Did you read the last batch of chapters? I don't remember if I did. I probably did if it was last it's, year. It's the ones where uh, they give the results of Hachikin and Mikage's exams. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I did. But I'll probably just finish the series when it is finished at this yeah. point, but... This is probably going to be its final stretch of chapters. Be sad to see it go, but I know it's going to be so satisfying when it does end. Because that ending, yeah, great. there's not much left to tell. I don't think because last batch of chapters pretty much summed up all the plot threads. I guess after that we have to revisit Komaba, some stuff with Hotchkin's dad, and then 
Arakawa said, like, recently that she wants to depict, like, them after high school, which I'm sure is just going to be, like, a one-chapter epilogue thing. But we're going to get a bunch of closure, and I'm looking forward to all of that. Yeah. Man, it's so great when you get closure <laughs> on manga. Yeah. That's something that fans of Berserk will never experience, because it's going back on hiatus again until the winter. And you think on the bright side, at least with Miura, he gives you an estimate of when he's going to come back. That's true. I mean, think on the bright side, Sid. The new season of the Berserk anime said that it might be coming back. Oh, great. We're going to get more Berserk anime. That's yeah. great. I, I totally want to see how... Because everyone loves CG. Yeah, I can't wait to see Ganishka in CG. I'm sure it'll look just amazing. The one, thing, the one thing that bothers me about that anime is that apparently the director at one point said that there were initial plans to do it in 2D. But then they opted to CG because they thought it would look better. Maybe I'm mis- misquoting it or something, but it's like, okay. Even if it was like limited animation 2D, I would still rather have that than CG because the CG they have it just looks ugly. Yeah. Like, still the 2D would arguably be better, even though it's still kind of not be amazing. Still be better. Yeah, I mean, the corrected versions in the DVD Blu-rays look a little better. A little better. But the thing is that they only fix a few things. The majority of the show is still CG. Yeah, well, the Berserk anime makes you sad. Let's move on to something else. Let's talk about new manga that are coming out. New manga from established creators like Mitsuru Hattori, the creator of Song Korea. Song Korea being that zombie girl manga from a few years back. Yeah, I read the first two lines and it was, it's pretty good actually. And so his new manga is going to be about a cheerful girl who runs a laundry service in a seaside town. And it's going to be a bittersweet story. Seems interesting. Yep, it's debuted in the 14th issue of Young Gangon on July 7th. So that's coming out pretty soon. Cool. Yeah. Also cool is the Reiko the Zombie Shop mangaka, Mikimoto, is making a new manga that's going to launch in... Comic B Magazine on July 12th called Iron Ghost No Shoujo, a spiritual battle action manga. It looks pretty cool from the uh, promotional art. I like Reiko the Zombie Shop, so... Yeah, we own that, don't we? We do. We have, like, the six volumes that were ever put out in English. Isn't it, like, a lucky volume? Yeah, which... When I would get to read those out of five volumes. Dark Horse, why? Why? Yeah, it seems like Rei Mikimoto is as cool a horror action artist as ever. Because, yeah, this looks like it's going to be just as uh, insane as Zombie Shop. So that's pretty cool. Cool. Also pretty cool is that someone is drawing a Justice League origin Wonder Woman manga. Wonder Woman! Da-da-da-da-da-da! I don't remember the team song. Yeah. That's why we need Jonathan and Ethan here, because they, they know the team song by heart. Yeah. But yeah, so Shiori Tishirogi is drawing a Wonder Woman manga that's going to debut in the September issue of Akira Shodan's Champion Red magazine that's going to come out on July 19th. It's going to tell the origin story for Wonder Woman and commemorate the upcoming release of Wonder Woman in Japan on August 25th. Huh. I wonder why that movie is coming out like, two months later in Japan. Do they dub live-action movies? I think they do. Maybe yeah. that's why them? Uh, maybe. 
Who knows? I don't know if we'll see that ever in English, but, you know, Wonder Woman manga sounds cool to me. I mean, it says down here that the DC Entertainment President, Diane Nelson, mentioned the manga's announcement back in March. So I think they'll probably localize this at some point. That would be cool. Yeah. Like, more manga adaptations of DC properties coming out over in the West. Also, uh, this is by the creator of Saint Seiya the Lost Canvas. Oh man, my hype levels have just gone through the roof yeah. knowing that. Yeah, well, now I cool. really want to see this get licensed. <laughs> yeah, bring like, this over, DC. I, I was looking at the ANN article. I was like, oh, it's that's Saint Seiya the Lost Canvas. Oh shit! Oh man, one I, of the I, best Saint Seiya spinoffs. Wow, yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. Man, I am so excited <laughs> for new manga, which is like a bummer. We're gonna have to talk about manga that are in. <laughs> The first of which being a Seven Deadly Sin spinoff about King called King no Manga Michi, which has ended with its third volume. That series started last February, running in magazine special. Well, it moved into the magazine's pocket app. Uh, you know, I haven't read this spinoff, but you know, yeah. I like King. King is one of the best characters in Seven King Deadly Sins. King Cobra King. Yeah. But it also reminds me that I have to get back to Seven Deadly Sin. Oh, man, you should, dude. Like, I caught up. Great stuff has been going on. Did man. the second arc finish yet? No, it hasn't. But oh my it's god, still going. like the hit the history of like the holy war between the demons and angels. Gauter's backstory. Oh my god, it's mind blowing. Like Gauter's backstory chapter. I'm gonna call it. That's gonna be my chapter of the year. That is. Mm. So it's a, on a side note. Is it just me or did the series get a bit confusing after that time skip? After, like, uh, Esteros or whatever stabs, uh, Meliodas. I guess it's been this part. Yeah, stabs Meliodas. And then they had to skip, like, forward a few months. I didn't find that confusing, uh, at all. I okay, kinda, I got... <laughs> maybe I just have to reread that stuff. I mean, some things I felt were a little rushed. The time skip happens, and then we immediately get into more fodder. Yeah. And then what, that, what's her face who, like, Guild Thunder re- revealed herself to be that one guy from the tournament? That what's her face? Yeah. That one, uh, mage lady who was, like, uh, Merlin's, like, apprentice who liked Gilthunder. I don't remember her name. I know who you're talking about. I don't remember her name. Yeah, she was such a forgetful character. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure Gilthunder is still being kept captive by that woman. Like, is she? That's not kind of random to me, like, honestly. Yeah. Because it just happens in the middle of a fight. Yeah, there's, like, this, like, a uh, throwaway bonus chapter where Gilthunder is, like, in wherever she's taken him, and he's trying to figure out how to let her go, but, like, uh, there's some... That woman's messed up. Yeah. She's, a, she's quite the masochist, and she's really obsessed with Guild Hunter. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to catch up at some point. Uh, yeah. I'm behind Should. in so much manga right now. Shameful. Why are you the backup manga Mavericks host? Because I still read manga, just, like, out a ton of manga, usually. Uh, we all know the reason I, is you're always around, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I heard one of yours. Boo-hoo. <laughs> Write all your sad thoughts down in a diary. Just like Demon Prince Poro. Wait a minute. Demon Prince Poro isn't writing down anything anymore because his series got cancelled. Yeah, that's not too surprising. Yeah, Demon Prince Poro has recently ended in the 29th issue of Jump. The final volume, the second volume, will be compiled and released in August. Yeah, I mean, I like 
the first two chapters of Poro, but yeah. I mean, the big problem with Poro is that it's kind of facing what cross accounts can be facing now. Is that when Poro started, you had Spring Weapon and Sam in the magazine. You can't have a third series with such a similar premise in there. Well, it's also such a tired premise. Like, yeah, that too. In human world, we've seen that so many yeah. times. Didn't Takuanabatsu also do that? Takuanabatsu did that. Devilly Man did that. Yeah, it's like, you know, we, we don't need that. And even Salmon. Salmon, Salmon did that. Yeah, Salmon exactly. did that. And Salmon still didn't do well. Jump kept pushing it for like 80 chapters and it still didn't do well. Yeah, so. I don't know how Spring Weapon's doing, but maybe it's doing better? I hope so. I like Spring Weapon. I, I wish I could read it, because it keeps sticking around, but I don't know what's going on. I really wish I could read that and Kimetsu no Yaiba. Why, Wiz? Please, license that already. Uh, I'm tired uh, of hearing everyone talk about how amazing Kimetsu no Yaiba is, but yeah. not being able to read it because it's not licensed, and I don't want to read scans. Licensing, Wiz! I need uh, my Yaiba! I and started reading it a while back. It's amazing. They'll prob pirate. Sid, we buy so much manga. We subscribe to Jump. It's true. We buy a lot hashtag of manga. Hashtag did nothing wrong. Yeah, hashtag yeah. we are drowning in manga. We're literally drowning manga. This desk is covered in manga, and there's like no space. I feel like I'm drowning. <laughs> I feel like the tables will collapse, and I will suffocate yeah. under the weight of all this manga on our desk. Yeah, like Sid's right now, Sid is sitting next to like every single volume of Shield 21. Yeah, it's insane how much yeah, manga we have. Yeah, but we, we, yeah, but like, I, in case, I've been reading Kimetsu no Yaiba, it, it's amazing, maybe one, I haven't caught up yet, so you don't want to, like, say this for sure, but it's probably one of the best things running in Jump right now, in Japan. Well, that's pretty cool, but on the subject of Jump, it looks like Jump Giga is ending again with its fourth issue which, it began a four-issue run on April 28th. Like, this is, like, uh... I have no idea what's going on with this magazine. Yeah, it's, like, keeps rebranding for four issues and then uh, ending. Like, I remember when they initially announced Jump Giga as this replacement for, like, Jump X, I, I think it was. They announced it as, like, some sort of, like, replacement, like a seasonal replacement, and they just keep ending it and then rebooting it the next year. It's like, okay, what's the point of this magazine? I don't know, it's, I guess it's just meant to be a short-lived magazine. But uh, in the last issue, it's publishing the final chapter of the Ichigo 100% sequel, Ichigo 100% East Side Story. So, that's pretty neat. Yeah, or Strawberry 100% as it's known in the West. Yeah, at least it was around to publish that. But, man, you know, we were just talking about the Metsu Niyaba, and we're talking about this... Ichigo 100% sequel, and I'm like, man, what I would give to be able to read English translations of that. What I would give! And it's like, man, if only the mangaka themselves could fund translations of their work through some sort of payment model, through some sort of service where the fans can give money to the creators. Yeah, some so, sort of service that all the YouTubers now use. That us as consumers can be patrons <laughs> to artists we like. Oh man, if only Mangaka could use this mythical 
fantastical <laughs> service that does not exist. Wait a minute. It does exist. Yeah. It's called Patreon, and someone has joined us that. Motoka Murakami of this maverick of a man. He has launched a Patreon to fund an English translation of his manga, Gene. What is, appears to be a very successful manga that has inspired several live-action films and a Takarazuka play. He launched a Patreon. He's offering the first two chapters for free to preview, and additional chapters will be uploaded weekly for patrons who are contributing $5 a month or more every Thursday. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Also, uh, just on his Patreon page right now, he actually has the first two chapters on there for free. Yeah. So you can check that out, and then... That's, that's literally what I just said. Did you just say that? I literally just said. I must have zoned out. First your chapters oh, free. okay. You know, Why aren't you listening to me? I must have zoned that out somehow. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Just no respect. Yeah, look, I'm looking at these pages right now, though, on his Patreon, and it looks pretty nice. Art looks good. What's yeah, I'm, I'm definitely patroning, because this is a cool manga, and this is a cool thing that's happening, and I hope more mangaka are able to do this. Yeah. But yeah, that's like a game-changing development that's just happened in like manga publishing, manga translation, but how we can get our manga translations legally. It's like, wow, directly from the mangaka themselves. Insanity. That's, that's amazing. But I guess we'll talk about traditional manga translations, licensing releases from our favorite uh, licensors, Yen Press. Yen Press <laughs> continues to be amazing by releasing more digital manga. Their newest licenses being Gil, Cell, Shaft, Bloom, and I'm the Great Priest Imhotep. Both have been licensed for digital release and will launch on June 27th. So by the time this podcast is out, you can go and read those. Yeah. Gil, Cell, Shaft, Bloom is a remake of the original web manga. It's about a RPG-style world where people's positions in society are decided at birth. And a guy called a subjugator goes on a quest to defeat the Demon King. And he gets stronger every time his companions dies. Whoa. And then the great priest Imhotep is about the Egyptian priest Imhotep who wakes up in modern Japan after 3,000 years. I wonder mm-hmm. what you still have for the Egyptian priest in modern Japan. But that's what this manga says gonna find and out. Wasn't that essentially Yu-Gi-Oh? Yu-Gi-Oh was a pharaoh. Yeah, true. There wasn't like that one guy a priest though. Seto was a priest. Yeah, I mean Seto was a priest, but the other guy with the Millennium Scale. Shadi? Was Shadi a priest? I don't even remember. No, he was like some weird alien guy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember Dark Side of the I barely re- Okay, I remember that from Dark Side Dimension. Did they ever say that he was an alien in there? Like, he came down from space. He's, he's some sort of weird Did alien. He? He's, okay. If he's not an alien, he's like some sort of like uh, spiritual being. I need to reread Yu-Gi-Oh! at some point. You know what? He, he's probably a spiritual being. I don't think he's supposed to be an alien now that I think about it. But he, yeah. In summary, Yu-Gi-Oh! is weird as hell. It is weird. Yeah. Uh, the more questions it answers, the more it opens to ponder. <laughs> yeah. But, but that movie was so. great. Listen, yeah, listen to that podcast if you, you haven't yet. That, that was a good discussion. Yeah. But also, Yen Press has licensed a comic of Kill creators, new manga, Inua Ga Crush, 
which is going to debut simultaneously with Japan. Uh, the first chapter will be out like the same day it comes out in Japan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's already out by the time you're reading this, so you can go check that out. And, uh, you know, it very heavily implies that this is going to be a sequel to uh Yeah, I, I looked a bit at the Roz for the first chapter, and it seems like a comic. It, it, the character that they showed in their initial promo arts in the background is a comic. Because, like, yeah, they, they kind of, at the end of the chapter, they kind of find this girl who's shipwrecked, and it literally looks like a comic. She has the curse tattoos and everything that she got from the end of the manga. So it seems like this is going to be, like, some comic good kill spinoff. Like, I doubt, like, Tatsumi or anyone's going to appear, but it's Akame's going to be there. Yeah. So, for all of you wanting to see more Akame get killed, this is basically that. Yeah, I might check this out. I mean, I had my problems with Akame get killed, but the second half of the manga was actually pretty good. Yeah, the Stockholm Syndrome really set it for you, Catherine. I guess? (laughs) I don't know. The first half was, like, kind of went from middling to really bad. But the second half, once they, like, once, like, they established, like, mine and Tatsumi's relationship, it actually was pretty good. That's pretty cool. I mean, maybe one day I'll check it out. Yeah. Probably for the show, if we ever want to do an episode on it. But, you know, we've been talking about this recently, but we really screwed up by not getting tickets to Anime Expo this year. Yeah, I kept telling you we should go to Anime Expo, and you're like, nah, let's not go. Yeah, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we could have done a show at Anime Expo. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't cool. want to get the tickets. I didn't think, you know, it would be worth it. But, yeah, I wasn't even working that that week either, I don't think. So, yeah, we could have went. Well, great. Put all the blame on me. <laughs> but, yeah, Anime Expo this year seems like it's going to be really cool because it's published its panel schedule and it lists quite a few guests from the anime manga industry that are going to be in attendance. Let's run them down. First off, we got the uh, creator of the Full Metal Panic light novel series, Shoji Gato, and his illustrator, Shiki Doji. They will be attending the Full Metal Panic 15th anniversary panel on June 30th. Yeah, that should be interesting. I mean, there's been a lot of, like, uh, speculation going around right now because uh, right now they kind of subtly took off the release date for uh, Full Metal Panic 4, because it was initially supposed to come out in fall. Now it's they don't have any like uh, release window listed. So I wonder if they're going to announce a new one at Anime Expo. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, or they at least say, like, oh, hey, we're delaying it to 2018 or something. I'm actually expecting big hype coming out of this panel. Like they're gonna show like some clip from the new season, a new trailer. Yeah, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're gonna show something. But I'm also curious if they're gonna. I'm sure they're gonna actually address that release thing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what yeah. comes out of that. We'll probably get some new updates on yeah. the new anime, and it's probably gonna be pretty sweet. I mean, as I don't care if it's coming out in 2018 or not, as long as it looks nice, I, I'm happy. Also, something that I'm curious to see what comes out of is the Pony Canyon Industry Panel on July 1st, where anime producers Tetsuya Kinoshita, Yasushi Oshima, and Takenori Matsuoka are going to be attending. Yeah, that should be interesting. Probably announcing some new projects and some new stuff that Pony Canyon will license. Yeah, likely. Uh, Like, maybe, welcome to the ballroom. 
whose director, Yoshimi Itazu, and animation director, Takahiro Chiba, and producer, Tetsuya Kinoshita, will be attending the Welcome to the Ballroom panel and live drawing panel on July 1st. Yeah, I think at the, I think at one of the panels they're also screening the first episode. Yes. Yeah, and I think that that's affiliated with Pony Canyon, which kind of is depressing to think about, because as we now know, Welcome to the Ballroom is going to be an anime strike show, because it got picked up by Amazon, and now it's also going to be likely have a home media release by Pony Canyon. So you're going to have a double paywall for streaming, and then import level prices for home video. Yeah, well, that's a shame. Not big fans of Pony Canyon, but I am big fans of Sit That Filmworks. Just bought a bunch of shirts from them. They're pretty cool. And what's also pretty cool is the show that they've licensed called No Game No Life. And they've got the director of that show, Atsuko Ishizuka, and the script writer, Juki Hanada, coming aboard their No Game No Life creators panel on July 2nd. And maybe they'll reveal some details of what they're going to do with the upcoming film. Yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe some film screenings. I would love to see that film and be yeah, that. That would be a fun film to see. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Also, what seems like it's going to be really cool is a panel featuring Seiji Kichi, Hiroyuki Hashimoto, Yuji Higa, and Sho Tanaka to talk about their new show, Classroom of the Elite. They are attending the Crunchyroll and Katakawa present summer simulcast preview panel on July 2nd. Hmm. Yeah, that should be interesting. I mean, Seiji Kichi, uh, from what I've seen of his work, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, he did. He did the Assassination Classroom anime. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. This is Carnival Phantasm. Yeah, yeah. also really good at that show. You know, some people don't like his hyper-stylized... Like, uh, outline, like the whole outline Really bold outlines, yeah. yeah. I don't know, you kind of get used to it after a while. Yeah, I, honestly, I thought that was like, Classroom's favorite. Like, I was playing a, a long time ago, I was playing the J-Stars game, J-Stars Victory Versus, and that game came out before the Assassination Classroom anime, so they had their own, like, design, character designs instead of using anime character designs. And looking at that compared to Seiji Kishi's designs for Assassination Classroom, I'm like, I kind of prefer Seiji Kishi's designs. So that would be an interesting panel. But you know, as a diehard, huge Princess Jellyfish fan, I am kicking myself <laughs> that I didn't go, I'm not going to Anime Expo because I would love to attend the panel that manga editor Yumi Sukimuni is going to be attending called Kodansha Comics with special guests. That special guest being the aforementioned Yumi Sukimuni. Yeah. Yeah. I really screwed up. I think the lesson here to learn is that you should listen to me when I say we should go to Anime Expo. You know what? You're right. You're right. I was wrong. I admit it. I am taking full responsibility. That is what a true hero does. He takes responsibility. Something that I'm sure my hero academia animation director Yoshihiko Umakoshi will talk about during the Funimation Presents My Hero Academia panel on July 3rd. Probably not. He'll probably just talk about animation. <laughs> yeah, probably. But yeah, freaking cool guests at Anime Expo this weekend. I'm jealous of all of y'all who are going to be attending. Seems like it's going to be a fun time. It does. What also seems like something that's really fun is this new kickstarted campaign 
by an Okinawa resident to make a manga and anime series about Okinawan culture. The project is called the Song of the Sun Goddess Project, or the Tetauta Project, and is seeking to raise 1 million yen, basically $9,000, by August 1st to fund the project. And if successful, the project creator, Julia Aileen Olivares, is going to publish a manga ebook by February 2018 that will be a prequel to the planned 2019 anime film. I mean, I think that's like a pretty cool project just to make a film to celebrate the culture of Okinawa. Looking to see what comes out of this. As I look to see what's going to come out of Jump's Universal Manga Contest. Do you know what this is, we Lord? Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, this is something really exciting. So, Shonen Jump has recently launched this new app called Jump. Paint, which is free to download, and it's like this great drawing software where you can like draw manga and it has like all the screen tones in it. It's like insanely helpful for drawing manga. And the best part about it is that you can use it to draw manga to enter the Jump Universal Manga Contest, which is internationally like open to everyone. You can submit your own manga to this contest, and, like, they will judge it, and you can, like, win monetary prizes, but even more special, you could win, if you're, like, the grand prize winner, you could be published in Shonen Jump itself. That's, like, an insane honor. So all you inspiring manga creators out there, you better start drawing, because the deadline for this contest is January 5th, 2018. So you got six months, but you're gonna need all that time to make a good manga. Man. It's, this is exciting. You know, maybe I'll make a manga and this contest. <laughs> did they do a con- They did a contest similar to this a few years back, right? Yeah, they did for the 45th anime. Yeah, that's what I thought. So yeah, it should be cool. Yeah, this is a really cool contest. I always love, like, these internationally open manga contests. And I really love this jump paint app. I've played around with it. It is really cool. Oh yeah, because it's a PC app, right? So yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this is really sweet, both this app and this contest, and I can't wait to see what cool things come out of it. And hopefully we'll get to see some of the best winners uh, when it comes time to judge them all, like next April or something. Yeah, it should be cool. Yeah. But that about does it for news. But man, I'm just so excited from all the stuff we discussed that I feel like I, I Get up and I could dance. I, I feel like I, I'm cramped in this room. I feel like I need to go out to some studio. To some place where you go to dance. Some place where I would be welcome to dance. All I damn please. Some place like a ballroom. I wish I could be welcome into a ballroom. No. You know what? I don't want to dance. Dancing takes energy and effort. What I do want to do is live vicariously my dreams of dancing through manga characters. I wish there was a manga that was going to be made into an anime in the next anime season about characters who are going to dance. What sort of manga would that be? Oh, wait a minute. I just name dropped the title in my long rambly description. It's called Welcome to the Barroom. I got all five volumes from the library. They're right here. I'm holding them in my hand. I'm beating
abusing me. Yeah, and I'm gonna keep doing that until we move on to the next thing so I can talk about welcome to the ballroom already! Yeah! Welcome to the manga Maverick session of Welcome to the Ballroom, the dance board manga by Tomu Takeuchi that's been hyped up to be the big hit of the summer 2017 anime season. And we're going to give you a sneak preview of what's to come by talking about the manga today. Um, okay, so Welcome to the Ballroom uh, was definitely a series that I had seen around for probably like a year or two. Um, you know, from people posting like uh, two-page spreads and just pa- just pages from the series in general, and talking about how amazing the art looked, and I was like, "Yeah, I kind of agree. This this looks pretty awesome. Um, I'm really liking the look for this series." Um, and um, yeah, I guess for the longest time, like it had been on my list, and then I think like oh, I don't know, like a couple months later, um, Kodansha picked it up for license, and I was very excited for it. Um, cause I, th- I think they've had the license for it like a, like a year or two at this point. They've had it for a little bit. Um, I keep forgetting that like, cause it, cause it just feels like they've licensed this yesterday when like they actually probably licensed this in like 2016, like probably in the middle. I don't remember. It's not important. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this is, it had been on my list and I fit like, I can't remember if it was you or me who, who decided finally, hey, we should probably talk about this. Um, but I think it was you. Okay, yeah, because like I figured, you know, with the anime coming up pretty soon, I think actually in like a week or two by the time we put this out, so coming up pretty soon, I figured, you know, we should, or at least I should finally read it and and talk about it because uh, I'd just been seeing it around so much and I've always had an interest in reading it. And I got the first three volumes through Comixology um, again, definitely, like, that and Viz are probably the two places I buy most of my digital manga. Um, again, especially if you have, like, an Amazon account, and you can link those two, and whatever you buy through, uh, through Amazon digitally, that would originally be, like, for the Kindle, you can also read on Comixology, so that's a great service there, but, uh, enough shilling. Um, yeah, so, I read the first three volumes, and just to kind of get it out of the way overall before we get into, like, any nitty-gritty stuff, um... I, I don't know, like, I, I was almost afraid that I wouldn't like it as much as I would hope for. Um, I, and I can't really explain why, cause it's like, um, I don't know, like, it, it didn't really grab me right away. Um, cause it, it takes a little bit to get to some of the dancing stuff. Um, I think there's, there's not, I mean, there's, there is dancing in the beginning, but like, I don't, if I remember correctly, I don't think they really get into, like, any real competitions until, like, the second volume? Unless I'm just remembering that wrong. End of the first volume. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, for some for some reason, I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm really liking this, but it hasn't, like, grabbed me yet. But th- that's also probably just because, for some reason, I was probably feeling pretty impatient that day. Because, like, I think by the end of volume three... I was, like, enamored with it. I was immersed in what was going on. If I had any more on me, I would have kept reading. Man, it's a real shame you didn't read Volume 4, which is, like, the end of the Tenpei Cup. And it's, like, such a good conclusion! 
I know I feel bad because because I figured it probably like the that particular competition was going to finish in the first volume, but I really felt like I felt like the end of like um I don't know if you want to call it a character arc for um for Mako, I think her name is. Yeah, Makoto. Makoto, yeah. Um I thought the ending of volume 3 was a uh for me personally was a good place to kind of leave off of for now cuz trust me, I do plan on getting back to this. Uh, pretty soon, as soon as I uh, get some more money here. But uh, yeah, um, I thought I thought the ending of kind of the sort of resolution of her character arc, along with um, Tatara and her becoming a better dancer through uh, through having Tatara as a partner, I thought it was so satisfying. And mm-hmm. like, you know, the more I just watched the two of them dance, I was just like, I just want them to dance forever. I want them to be happy forever. Like, I was just, I was just, I was happy for two, uh, for two fictional characters on paper. It was, it felt so good, and I loved it. From what where I've read, and I've read like all five volumes that are currently put out by Kadansha USA, I'm afraid that they won't be dancing forever, but they are pretty happy. I mean, I figured that, like, and again, I, I stopped at the end of volume three, so this is just me uh, making an educated guess. I had a feeling that, like. You know, Mako's probably going to go back to her brother at some point, and their relationship is probably going to um, start getting better. And like their 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 relationships as dance partners will continue to grow from there. Um, I wasn't like I knew I shouldn't like expect it to last forever, but like, damn it, I wish it. I just wish it did because I really love seeing the both of them dance. They're a good couple. Yeah, I mean that moment at the end of volume three is pretty amazing because makoto has been established as this really shy really timid girl who is like willing to follow along and like a really supportive character but like in this like tatara realizes he needs to give her the spotlight and like he puts all his effort into like making her dancing shine and like everyone is showering her with attention and noticing her dancing like even her brother who like you know, for the longest time had thought that she was holding him back because people had even said so that, you know, she was holding them back in their pair. But, like, now, like, everyone can see just how good she is, how beautiful a dancer she is, and it is really satisfying that she comes into her own like that. And, you know, Tatara realizes he needs to put aside his own ego, like, his desire for everyone to look at his dancing and praise him and, like, support his partner. So it's, like, really great, like, character development for both of them there. It's, like, really satisfying. Mm, yeah, I'm I'm now putting uh, Tatara in the category of good boys, along with uh, Midoriya. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, man, I, like, because I, I think, I think the ending of Volume 3, like, the very, like, the last one or two chapters of the volume, I think... It's funny because I think that's where it like completely hooked me because like those like that portion of the volume just felt so cathartic. Mm-hmm. But um, Sid, if you want to maybe talk about your general thoughts at all. Yeah. So how I got introduced to it. You've probably noticed that me and a lot of other people are really crazy about Shudan, the new sp- sports soccer manga that's been running in Shonen Jump just started a couple weeks ago by uh, Takumi Yakoda. 
And I was a huge fan of his previous series, which debuted two years ago, called Straighten Up, which was also a dance board manga. And I was, like, super into it because it was super cute and, like, it also had some really cathartic character arcs and just, like, I, I loved all the characters. They were adorable. And, like, the dancing, like, in it did a really good job of depicting it and, like, making it, like, you know, come across as beautiful and, like, graceful. And I really liked that manga. And a lot of people, you know, compared it to Welcome to the Ballroom because that's also a dance board manga. Including me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you <laughs> compared it without having read Welcome to the Ballroom. Yeah, but to, yeah to be fair, I, I compared, like, see, that, that was my thing, if I could just say real quick. Um... Yeah, I remember not being too super into Straighten Up because I personally I wasn't really a fan of the art style and I really felt like personally without again not fairly but you know without actually reading Welcome to the Ballroom, you know, from all of the art I had seen um you know before I started to read it, like I really felt like um I really feel like the art in Welcome to the Ballroom compared to Straighten Up really captures that uh I guess that that like that atmosphere if that makes any sense better um but that's just me personally didn't your mama ever tell you not to judge a manga by its cover colton i you know what for somebody who tells people not to judge things by its cover i feel like i do that a lot (laughs) to be fair the difference in art style is actually really interesting to compare and also why i think welcome to the ballroom is more successful than straighten up but we'll get to that in a little bit but so I started reading Welcome to the Ballroom. Well, I checked out Welcome to the Ballroom because I had heard it be compared to Straighten Up so much. And so I read the first chapter on like mo- like an illegal site. And I was like, you know, I, I'm not into like the site. It was more like the site that was, you know, bothering me because there was, was like a bunch of ads and like this stupid dancing sunflower bear gif when their pages were loading that it started to annoy me and 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 then you try to like then you try to like block those ads and then the website's like oh oh, oh you can't use this website unless you uh you know disable ad blocker or whatever yeah it's annoying don't don't go to illegal sites they suck they're terrible and there's the scanlations aren't really that good like the if anything illegal sites are just a pain in the ass to try to navigate through yeah exactly but You know, I checked out the first chapter there, but, like, I didn't, like, really register with me, and I also was just so turned off by the site that I was reading it on that, like, I didn't, like, feel compelled to, like, continue it for a long time. But I always had been interested in continuing it, and so we made this plan to read this series a couple months ago. Like, I think even last year we had planned, like, to do an episode on Welcome to the Ballroom at some point. Yeah, we, we, we've been kind of throwing out the idea here and there a little bit, because I, I think we had known a little while back that, yeah, this was going to get an anime, and we figured, yeah, let's let's talk about this when the anime comes out. Exactly. So, we scheduled it for, like, basically ju- the week right before the anime is going to come out, and so I waited until right the day we're recording it to read... Everything that's been put out legally in English by Cadencer USA so far, the first five volumes, and yeah, I really enjoy this manga. I 
agree with Colton that it starts out slow a little bit, but at the same time, I think that was to the series' benefit because it really did focus on establishing the character of Tatara and, like, it really helped, like, say you into these characters. So, like, when the big, like, germ- the first big dramatic thing that happens, like, in the beginning of Volume 2 to Tatara's rival and also, you know, in the beginning, of- that's when he, like, first dances on, like, a- the ballroom is, like, at the beginning of Volume 2 and, like, this is a big moment. Lots of, like, big things come out of that and like you know i think like taking your time to get that moment really paid off and of course like as the series continued on for that it was like really excellent just all the way through in terms of his writing but yeah i enjoy welcome to the ballroom a lot and i think that it strengths is definitely in its character writing mm-hmm. more so than its depiction of the dancing because i feel like it doesn't really give you too much of a sense of like how they're actually moving like it's usually just like a couple panels where like they'll show like a really dramatic pose but like i don't really get that sense of movement that i kind of feel like i got with straighten up but at the same time what the manga does do really well and this is where the art style is so important is really capture the emotion and like the sensuality of the dancing like, with uh, Straight Enough, the art style was extremely cute, and, like, the tone of the series was a lot more laid back, like, the and a lot more reserved, but with Welcome to the Ballroom, there's, like, much higher emotional stakes, and it's, like, much more passionate, and much more, like, th- they really play up, like, the sensuality, the sexuality of the dances, too. And, like, I think that's to the series' benefit, because it, like, really, like, gets you into, like, the raw vigor of what's going on. Like, and there's also just some fun, like, shonen-y, like, action things that they can do, like, with the roughness of the art style. Like, when uh, Tatara and Gaju are colliding on the dance field, and, like, their backs are, like, pushing against each other. It's like the, the you're doing a, show, a fighting manga, but they're <laughs> dancing in parallel. And it, that's I, that's what I think is the uh, what really is appealing about the series, is that, you know, it is, like, so super... It, it, it really successfully adds that shonen level of competition and, like, intensity and fierceness into this dancing sport and does it really well. Like... Like, you can feel, like, that epicness, like, you have, you can feel in a, like, epic fight between, like, two characters in the same way you can in a dance-off between Gaju and Tatara, and, like, I think that's to the series' strength. It's it's really funny, like, at at that moment in particular, I think that moment ended off Volume 2, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, No, it was, like, in the middle of Volume 3, I think. Okay. It it felt like, it it could have been the ending to a volume, because it's, like... Uh, or it was a good ending to the chapter because I think like I audibly went, "Oh shit!" when uh, when that happened. <laughs> um, so that was that was a really great moment because like I I, I was kind of I was really sucked into the dancing at that point, and it was really fun to uh, it was really fun to read and watch. And then like something just completely disrupts that, and it's like it really feels like an intense moment. Yeah, like the series ca- it really knows how to play up the emotions of its characters and deliver. And it succeeds mainly through the strength of its art and the style of its art. Cause it's very rough. Uh, yeah. It's think, very sketchy. It's like, yes, it kind of reminds me of a sketchier, like Haikyuu, if that makes it, if, if you agree. 
actually think it's a little more polished than Haikyuu. You think so? I mean, to be well, fair, to be fair, I haven't I haven't read enough of the Haikyuu manga to like see the evolution in its art. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's probably a lot more different than the last time I read it. But uh, yeah, if I were to compare it to the beginning of the Haikyuu manga at the very least, because it does become more polished later on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, welcome to the ballroom. His art is really effective. And at, like, capturing the mood of a scene and the intensity of an emotion. And, like, these are very strong emotions. Like, like I said before about emotional stakes, like, the main conflict in the Tenpei Cup is that, you know, Tatara wants to convince, uh... uh Got you. Well... Yeah, he, I mean, also Shizuku. Like, he, he's, like, yeah, focused yeah. on, like, kind of defeating Shizuku for her sake. Like, kind of bring her back, bring her, like, back down and, like, you know, uh, you know, to stay with Kyoto. And, like, not go off of Gaju. And also, for the sake of Makoto, who, you know, was Gaju's former partner, but he, like, ditched her for Shizuku, like, without you know, any compassion and like really callously. And so that really gets Tatara's incensed and like he wants to show Gaju like what that isn't right. Like you can't just abandon your partner like that. And so the point of the uh competition is for Tatara to prove that Makoto is a better uh dancer than Shizuka. To show that uh Makoto can dance better than Shizuka. So that, like, Gaju will give up Shizuka and go back to being Makoto's partner. There's So there's, like, really high stakes there because Makoto really cares about her brother. Even though he treats her so badly, like, you know, she it just enjoys dancing with him. And, she, like, she really wants to get back with him. And Tadara doesn't want to see Shizuka go astray. And because he really respects the dynamic between Kyoto and Shizuka. Because they're such a great pair. And so he wants to bring them back together. While, you know, Kyoto can't, like, challenge Ganju, Gaju himself. Because, you know, his leg's broken and whatever. So, like, they're, like, really unskilled compared to the Gaju-Shizuka pair. But, like, they are super in sync with each other. Because of, one, like, they just have very compatible personalities. And, you know body types but also because of Tadara is just really good at like picking up like dance moves and also gets a little more confidence in himself and that confidence also helps improve Makoto's dancing because he really he starts to learn how to take the lead in the dances a lot better and that you know of course helps the partner to improve as well so you know they they're still not that great a match against Gaju and Shizuka, but through the like entire the entire competition, like they slowly manage to figure out what's working about their dances and like ultimately outshine them in certain moments, which is really satisfying. Yeah, definitely very cathartic. Like I said earlier, um, yeah. So yeah, just kind of going back to the art a little bit. Um, it's weird because. Um, I guess when I got to the portion of the series where we finally get to see more competitions, um, it was weird. I found myself not being super impressed by some of um, 
by by some of the uh by some of the actual dancing because like you said um you know uh the the art isn't really meant to like um it's it it doesn't really convey the dances like super well all the time i actually found myself thinking at some points like huh i would actually like to see this animated preferably almost yeah i think this is going to be really excellent in animation this is kind of like what i was talking about with Descending stories is that like the core story and like the, these characters are super good, but like when you take it into animation and you can actually add movement and music, like that's gonna bring this up to like a whole nother level. I feel. Yeah, I, I guess I should say like I guess I should say the the actual dancing isn't bad. It's just you know comics are different than animation. Like they're just you know the medium is sort of limiting in that aspect. I mean, you can show, like, the sequence of a dance really well. Straight and Up had sequences where they just showed the dance, and they just showed multiple panels showing the steps in the dance, and that was really effective. Welcome to the Ballroom, at least in the first five chapters, doesn't really have those kind of breakdown moments. Like, it doesn't just let us watch the dance for a few pages. It focuses just on moments. Yeah. And, like, I think it can do, like, the moments really well but like i it never gives a full sense of what the dances they're doing actually are like i can't like really follow along like every step that they're doing but like when you see a certain moment like it does look really cool and yeah it is like and again the emotion is just really carried so well by the art I, I really hope that production IG does take the route of um of Rakugo Shinju with how I think Studio Dean handled that anime. Um I really hope that like um some episodes there's just like a ten minute sequence of dancing. Um yeah. to just just to kinda like again, like b- basically have the anime um because production IG I believe is um animating this, which, you know, they already got a pretty good studio, so I'm I'm pretty hopeful. But uh, yeah, I hope they go that route where they really do take advantage of the actual dancing and really spend a lot of time on some of that, and uh, hopefully can make that sort of a spectacle, make that make it really some, uh, make it uh, really something fun to watch. Yeah, I think if they take the time to show the dances, I think again that'll bring the series up to another level, just like how showing the rock ago brought. Descending stories up to another level as an anime. It's like really, I I think that there's just so much great about the story and these characters and like the raw emotions that are present in this manga. That if you were translate that into anime and like just improve on like capturing like what's so great about these dances, then that's like that'll like rocket this up. I I really do think this is going to be like. A big deal. This is going to be like one of the most talked about anime of next season. Well, hopefully it doesn't get picked up by Anime Strike. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we can oh. be hopeful, but I, I'm i not sure. Uh, hopefully Amazon will just be like, what, an anime about ballroom dance? That's weird. We're not going to pick that up. That's That's not going to make us millions of dollars that we don't already have. Okay, just to step in real quick and just to clarify for the record that uh, not even three hours after we recorded this discussion that uh, the Ballroom anime website announced themselves that Amazon Prime was going to have exclusive Japanese and overseas streaming rights. Um, so, uh, like, like 
I guess specifically Amazon Prime. Uh, they, they didn't mention Amazon Strike in particular, but I mean, I'm sure it'll end up on Strike somehow. But either way, it's going to be on Amazon. So I guess we shouldn't have made that joke about it ended up being on Amazon because it came true. So we'll take the fall for that, guys. We're we're sorry. It's our fault. And uh, now back to the show. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> let's not talk about anime strikes. <laughs> yeah, what let's, I let's not. really like about Welcome to the Ballroom Story is also that it's pretty non-traditional. Like this is not a school sports kind of story. This is like a club kind of story. Like Tatara is like going to you know just this dance club that's not affiliated with a school, and he's taking like private lessons with Sengoku, who. You know, I feel like Sengoku is very much like the Takemura to Tatara's Ippo. And that he's like a very similar character to Ta- Takemura in uh, Hajime no Ippo. And that like he's uh, a professional, like he's been doing this for a while. He takes it, he sees something in the protagonist and like he has this very like uh, rough demeanor and uh, makes jokes on the protagonist and uh, can be a little crude sometimes. But, like, he knows his stuff and he respects the sport more than anyone else. And he will call you out for not doing something right or not taking things seriously. So I think they're very similar characters. So that was very interesting. But, yeah, can I, yeah can, Sing- I, can I just say I am not a fan of Sengoku. I think he's a very... Interesting. I, I, I think he's kind of an unpleasant character in some, in some portions. <laughs> <laughs> why would you say that i don't know like i don't really like his like i don't really like his brash personality and i don't i don't know uh he just some some of his actions really kind of annoy me where it's he's the kind of character where like if he was like a real life person and he did the stuff that he does um i would be super annoyed I don't know, like, I I guess we can just kind of go real quick to, like, because I think uh, near the end of the first volume, like, uh, Hyoto can't dance with uh, Shizuka, because uh, Hyoto, basically, his leg's broken or whatever, and uh, he's just kind of off uh, wherever, and, like, they can't find him, and they gotta, like, you know, uh, get somebody to dance with Shizuka uh, so they don't have to drop out of the competition. So, basically, instead of just, like, dropping out and being like yeah we can't go we can't do this we can't go out there because uh you know substituting a dancer is apparently like grounds for disqualification and that's what ends up happening just to kind of jump ahead but um sengoku makes um tatara basically go out as uh as shizuka's partner instead uh to try to pull one over on the judges try to make sure they stay in the competition and like i don't know like I I thought that was an interesting development like that like that caught that got my attention like oh I really want to see like where this goes but it's like I I hate the way he handles the um the situation because I think he's all like you know he like takes no responsibility for it he's just kind of like oh well I had to do it like what what's wrong with that and he like constantly blames Tatara for it and I thought that was so angering and I hated it man you would hate Takemura and Hajibuno with that <laughs> but you know, that was an interesting moment because the reason he uh, he does that, as, you know, they were discussing later on, is actually because he knew that if Tatra went out as a substitute, like, they would be disqualified because he knew Hyoto's leg was broken and, like, he didn't want 
them to continue dancing in the competition. But and that was like a really weird roundabout way of going about it. But it was because like he didn't want Shizuka to know like how the condition Kyoto's in. And that was you know, I think that's something the relationship between those two is something that's going to be extrapolated later on because there is like some tension there. Like they've known each other, it seems for a little bit. So there's some reason why Sengoku between Shizuka and Hyoto. No, Sengoku and Shizuka. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They've known each other. Like there's a, I think there's like a reason why Sengoku didn't want to tell her about, the condition Kyoto's in and why he went in such a roundabout way to get them disqualified and like mm. try to avoid telling the truth to her. And you know, that's the reason why Shizuka decides to team up with Gaju is because Sengoku didn't trust her and she felt betrayed by that. Like that's like the big reason why she makes that decision. Cause like she gets like so upset that Sengoku and like Kyoto just didn't trust her to like be in on the situation. Yeah. He basically tried to hide it from her and like uh you know, try tried to basically make it seem like, you know, everything was fine so he didn't have to drop out. Yeah. So I, I definitely think there's something more between Sengoku and Shizuka. But, but like I, that, I like Sengoku I'm sorry, I, I just I just wanted to say like that that wasn't the moment that like cause even before I was kind of um I found him kind of unpleasant, uh, Sengoku in particular, because I don't know. It was I felt kind of betrayed because, uh, like in the beginning, he seemed like a pretty cool guy, and like you know, he seemed like he was really interested in in teaching Tatara, you know, some moves and whatnot. And then, like, I don't remember exactly how this goes, but like at some point, Sengoku, like, I guess he he kind of like interprets some of Tatara's uh, actions and communications as like very very cocky and like that kind of turns on that kind of turns off Sengoku and makes him think oh well I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him to do all these like really hard exercises and like make him drop out and it's I don't know like I felt like thought that thought process kind of like like I don't know at that point and pardon my language I was just kind of like what the fuck like he didn't do anything to you like that's not fair like what like don't don't treat him like that that's just that's not cool <laughs> again He's the kind of person who takes the sport very seriously. Shizuka was also like that when, you know, Tadaro was first, like, taking, like, practice lessons, like, in the ballroom for the first time. She was like, what are you doing here? Are you really serious about this or are you just some kind of pervert? Like, you know, these people are dedicating their lives to this and they don't, like, have patience for someone who's just gonna, you know, spout dreams. Oh, I can be like that. But well, that's like, fair. never actually follows through. Like, they really take offense to people who do not take what they are dedicating their lives and putting all their blood, sweat, and tears into. Like, treating it like, oh, it's something that anyone can do. Like, because it takes work. That's totally fair. And I, I guess when you put it that way, I kind of understand. But I guess, like, I guess I would agree with that more if it, if, if it weren't for the fact that I, like, that's obviously, like... When Tatara says thing uh, says things like that, like "Oh, I can do this," like he, I don't think he really realizes the full like, I guess um, ex- he doesn't realize like you know the extent of like the things that he's saying. Like he doesn't realize like what that means to them. Like he's he like he he doesn't come off malicious about it. He just he just wants to be able to do what they do. Yeah, but even the naivete is just as annoying as like a cocky attitude in some respects it's 
it can be even more infuriating because the person isn't taking it seriously at all. And he's just very nonchalant about it. But, you know, we're also very sympathetic to Tadara because, like, we are reading through his perspective. But, like, you know, Sengoku at this point doesn't really know that much about Tadara. So he just doesn't know where he's coming from or, like, what, how he's just been inspired. So, like, I... I bought like that reaction again. This is this is like something that exactly something that like happened in Hajimino Epo, you know, with uh, Takamura and Epo. So I mean, I don't know. I just don't feel like angry about the kind of character Sengoku is. I just find him humorous. Um, well, but okay, I mean, but I, I will I will say when you're the the way you put it makes me kind of understand a little better. So I'm I'm in the future. I might not be as hard on him, but. I still feel like sometimes his overall personality kind of turns me off, and I'm just like, uh, you're not funny, you're just annoying. <laughs> well, Sengoku is certainly not a person that would probably be great to hang around in real life. No, he sure wouldn't. Uh, in Volume 5, we meet his dance partner, Chizuru, and uh, <laughs> they they literally fight each other. Like in between, like their dance in their dances, like they start literally beating each other up to the point they start <laughs> bleeding, and it's hilarious. But it's like, wow, this is like some dysfunctional relationship. But like, Ooh. it's cool because they're like very similar in personality and like how they behave, how they nonchalantly they treat things, and so uh, that's a great new character they get introduced in Volume Five. So I, yeah, I, I don't know, I like Singoku quite a bit. He and. Uh, He's yeah, no, he's he, nowhere near my favorite character, but like again, I could when you when you put everything like that, like I could probably learn to like he could probably grow on me at some point, but mm-hmm. you know, and like you know, sometimes he does have like really cute moments with like Tatara, like I think literally so far my my favorite moment in the entire series, and I'm being totally serious when I say this is is when um uh Tatara and and Mako um, move on to the, I think the, to the semifinals or the finals, I forget. Uh, they move on to the next phase of the competition and like, they just sit there waiting for a high five <laughs> and it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. And then Sengoku's like, no, he slaps his hand and goes, no, let's just wait till we're done with the competition. Like, I actually thought that was really cute and I loved it. There are two great moments of encouragement Sengoku gives in Volume 4 that are, like, really powerful. One is, like, when Tadar is trying to do this very complicated dance step and, like, Sengoku yells out to him, don't do it. Because, and yeah. because like, he sees just how exhausted Tadara is and, like, you know, he, like, literally just almost, like, collapses and, like, Sengoku, like, you know, holds him up and is like, dude, you're, like, overexerting yourself. And then later on, like, in the final round of the competition, like... Tadara is looking to him because he wants to do Sengoku's, like, special set. And, like, you know, he looks at Sengoku, and before Sengoku, of course, like, told him, like, not to do it. But, like, this time Sengoku's, like, go kick some ass. And he's, like, and that's, like, yeah, that's that's a great moment. So, you know, I like the mentor relationship that Sengoku has with Tadara. Cause, I, I, like, I like their relationship. I think the relationship, yeah. I think, is growing on me. I get, I, I just personally... I don't know, like, I'm in this mindset where it's like, I keep thinking about what it would be like to know a person like Sengoku in real life, and I think I think that's why sometimes I'm turned off by his personality as a character, but I, I do like their relationship. I do think it leads to a lot of great moments. I mean, a couple that literally is beating each other up to the point that they're bleeding in real life is certainly not, uh, not healthy 
as an actual real life thing, but this is a manga, so it's they're, wacky they're not and real funny people, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's wacky and funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, I like all the characters in the series. I think they're all really interesting and they have like mm-hmm. unique uh things about them. Like even like Gaju, who, you know, first is established as this brash, like really, you know, uh, despicable kind of guy in terms of his personality and like He's how- also very horny when he wants to be. Uh yeah, that too. <laughs> but <laughs> but like even Gaju, like we kind of get into head his head a bit more as the, you know, competition goes on and like you know we get see like more sympathetic sides to him and like you know he does care about his sister on some level even though like he's being so mean to her and you know he also really just is passionate about dance sport and wanting to be really good outside of you know his infatuation with shizuka and like he grows like a respect for Tadara and like by volume five like they're they're kind of buddies now so it's like yeah I got you has a good arc all the characters have really good arcs um Gaju is actually he he's not a terrible character as much as sometimes sometimes I hate him because it's like oh why why you got to treat your sister like that that's not cool but like yeah you know I I don't find myself hating his character as much as I I as much as I feel like I should it's kind of interesting yeah, I mean, you can understand where he's coming from at times, and like, you, yeah, there's also just that you you gotta respect just kind of his passion and just like you know how enthusiastic he is in the dancing. Yeah, like he is pretty. He gets literally fired up. <laughs> That's pretty amusing. I also like. Uh, I do like Hyodo. Like, I think I tweeted at one point that Hyodo was the real MVP because, like, even though it was. It was a pretty reckless decision on his part to not tell Shizuka in the beginning at uh, at that first uh, competition about his uh, about his injured leg. Um, I don't know some something about that. Like I really respect that about him almost because it's like you know ju- just because he's injured doesn't mean he's still not going to go out on the dance floor. Like I really kind of have to admire that dedication to his craft a little bit, even if it was not really a good decision to do so. Yeah, you can't help but admire, like, a character who is willing to push themselves so far to their breaking point just for the love of their, you know, chosen sport or profession. God, and, God like, when, yeah. he's, when he's dancing and, then, like, he at some point, like, stomps his foot, like, you can tell, like, he's in pain and he just bears it. And, like, I really couldn't help but respect him in that moment in particular. He he really loves to dance. Like <laughs> there's just this great moment in Volume Four. He, like he gets so inspired by Tadara and Makoto's dancing and uh, Gaju and Shizuka's like in the final round. Like that he just starts he he's like in crutches, but like he gets up and he's oh he's also like t- tapping his feet and dancing. Is like man, this guy he just really loves dancing. Like he just can't help himself. He's he's very passionate about about his um about the sport, and I really respect that about him. Uh, he's a good rival for Tatara too. Like you know, he's he's like on another level, but he's like also, you know, he is he treats Tatara seriously. It's like he's okay. You want to challenge me next year at this competition? Okay, fine. I'm looking forward to it. Like I I like that kind of rival. 
like the kind of rival who like respects his opponent is like waiting for them to reach their level and like challenge them. Yeah, a health a healthy rivalry is is something I really enjoy. Um, I guess um, I can't really think of anything else I really want to talk about besides just Tatara as a as as a protagonist. Like, I think the reason um, I don't know it's really weird because like you know I'm not like particularly against sports manga because you know I've read a few like you know I obviously I love Ice Shield Twenty One and I love Slam Dunk. Um, and, uh, you know, like, besides those two, I actually haven't read too many sports series outside of that. Not not necessarily, I don't know, sometimes because I might not have an interest in a particular series, or I just, I'm just slow, and I, I don't, I don't get to manga as fast as I would like to. But, um, I think of uh, what separates, like, I Shield 21 and Slam Dunk from, like, certain sports series, um, I can't really think about the top of my head, like, I think, um... I like the kind of setup in a sports series where you kind of have your protagonist and uh, they're not necessarily looking to get into any sports, but like they're kind of suddenly dragged into a sport. And then from there, they realize the more they participate, oh, I actually am like really in love with the sport. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, I really like that kind of um, I like that setup for certain characters like Senna in Ice Shield 21, who you know he did he didn't necessarily had an interest in football but like he had the ability to become a running back on a football team and he eventually became very good at what he does and he really grew as a person you know from participating in in that sport and even like like i said slam dunk earlier sakuragi he got into basketball not necessarily because he was interested in basketball because he wanted to get a girlfriend um but he learns eventually that oh i actually like basketball like this is actually fun i want to keep doing this and i think that's why i i'm so invested in tatara's growth as a character and i think that's that's honestly my favorite thing about this series so far is i wasn't expecting to be so invested in this character but i really am it's it's like I think Welcome to the Ballroom for me is the most interesting when it dabbles in Tatara and his feelings on dancing and uh how it relates to his growth as a person and as a character. Um there's there's a moment I really like in the beginning where um I think it's in volume one where where um Tatara overhears two teachers um basically talking shit about Shizuka and uh, her involvement in dance and like, you know, they're, they're being conservative and prude and being like, oh, well, d- she, she's a part of ballroom dance. Like that's, that's most unorthodox. Oh, that's not appropriate or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to see other people react to ballroom dance and kind of see how, how Tatara reacts to everybody else's reactions to like what ballroom dance and their kind of preconceptions of it. It, it like at, at some point I felt like I was reading Footloose the manga, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I like like I said I really think that's where Welcome to the Ballroom interests me the most is just seeing Tatara um, really learn to appreciate dance and really uh, really uh, I guess growing as a person through this sport and just learning how much he loves to dance and and especially like in Volume Three when like. You know, he's, uh, I think it's, uh, during that last kind of, uh, part of the competition in, in volume three, um, where we get a lot of Mako's character growth as well, where, uh, 
I like I love that moment where Tatara, you know, he's just like waiting to dance. Like he just uh where he's just like waiting for the music to start and he's just thinking, come on, like I wanna start, like I wanna dance already. Like he's so excited. And I, and you can't help but like kind of feel excited with him. Um so I will give this manga this that like I'm very impressed with how easily I'm able to get sucked into the growth of these characters, especially Tatara. Like I wanna see how this kid grows and I want to see where his, um, where his growth and where his uh, love of ballroom dance goes. Yeah. Tatara's character arc is very much like along the lines of Sakuragi and Sena. He starts off the series. He doesn't really have a passion for anything. Doesn't really have something he really enjoys. And, you know, he's looking for something that will change him that like will give him something to strive for some ambition. And dance sport does exactly that. And, you know, it's really cool to see his growth in the series as he, like, gets super impassioned into the sport, develops these rivalries that continue to push him forward and make him try even harder. And, yeah, it's very satisfying. I do like his growth as a protagonist. Like, uh, my overall perception of Tatara is, like, kind of like what they're describing with the flower and the frame. In that, like, you know, Tata, I feel like... Tatara, like, doesn't... Like, on his own, I don't know if he, like, really stands out too much against other manga protagonists, but, like, like he, he his character, like, brings out the best of everything that I like about this series. So it is... It really holds it together. Like, a frame will hold the painting together. Like, his character, Hark, holds this series together. In the end, it says a lot about, like, how strong his character is and, like, how like, good the character writing in the series is. And, yeah, I really do enjoy Tatara. Like, he he's not my favorite thing about the series, maybe, but, like, his character arc is what is really holding it together. Yeah, the, he's his his arc is, I feel like, I mean, I feel like rightly, rightfully so, like, what I'm the most invested in. But I guess that yeah. really goes without saying. But, yeah, this is a really cool series, really cool manga, and I think that... You know, hopefully with like the right enhancements will be an excellent anime and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm I'm really I'm really hoping like I'm hoping for good things for the show. Like I I can't wait to see the first episode. Yeah, it will be something, I'm sure. I mean, I hope it will be something. But yeah, I mean, I am already predicting that the the entire anime is going to be this Tenpei Cup cuz it's like the perfect length for one core. So Okay, yeah, I, I could see I'm looking that too. For, I'm really looking forward to seeing like all these moments animated, because uh, I mean the series, like we said, really succeeds in the raw emotion of everything. But I think that about does it for our discussion. Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, basically just you know if you have an interest in Welcome to the Ballroom, if you know if we've persuaded you at all, uh, go go out and read it. You can buy it digitally, like like I did through Comicsology. Um, or you can buy it physically if you want to as well. Like, it's it's legally out there. So if you have an interest in it, you should definitely go uh, pick it up and check it out. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a good series, and people should check it out. Definitely. Well, that was the Welcome to the Ballroom discussion. Man, that was such a great series. Wasn't it, Colton? Yeah, Colton's not here right now, so why do you keep coming back? Why does Colton keep disappearing? What is happening on this podcast? Well, anyway, where can the good people find you, Wee Lord? 
Um, they can find me on Twitter at VLORDGTZ. That is V-L-O-R-D-G-T-Z. Pretty much hit me up if you want to talk about JoJo, Detective Conan. Really anything, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you can find Wheelord there. Although I don't know why you'd want to find him. <laughs> like, he apparently can keep popping up again <laughs> randomly every now and again. Even if you don't want to find him, you'll probably will. I'll just randomly show up next to your bed. Whisper in your ears something sexual. Yeah. Maybe drink some hot sauce in your fridge. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I know someone who probably won't drink the hot sauce in my fridge is Colton, and you can find him at Sniper King Street on Twitter. Yeah. Send him hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we talked before, but yeah, he's he does a great Gintama podcast called Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast. He's recording his Benazakura episodes now. Those will probably come out by the end of the summer. But right now he's doing this podcast called Jumpin' Ahead, where he and Lightong VG are going through some later arcs in the Gintama series that weren't covered in the Viz release. And those will tide you over before the Benazakura episodes come out. And they're really fun and interesting. So give those a listen. Also, give a listen to One Podcast Reveals for more Detective Conan talk. Although, they really should get Wheelor GDC on there one of these days. I'd, I'd be more than happy to come on. Uh, yeah, uh, that podcast has saved you from falling asleep yeah. while studying. So, yeah. you have quite the history with it alongside the series in general. Yep. One Podcast Prevails. Listen to it while you're cramming so that you stay awake. <laughs> Dr. Colton screaming is always helpful. Yeah. yeah. As for me, you can find me at, at Lumromiyasha on Twitter and on Animation Revelation. As for the show, you can find Manga Mavericks on Twitter at Manga underscore Mavericks on Tumblr at MangaMavericks.tumblr.com and on YouTube. Check our YouTube page, Manga Mavericks. Remember, guys, we need those 100 subscribers to get that custom URL, so please subscribe and like our content on there, as well as rate and review us on iTunes because both of those things will help our podcast grow and get more exposure and improve. As well as sending us some emails any questions, comments, criticisms to our email at mangamavericks at gmail.com. We love reading your guys' feedback and we love hearing suggestions about the show, what we can do to improve it. So please send in some emails and yeah, we'll read out your questions on the show. But that does it for this episode of Manga Mavericks talking about Welcome to the Ballroom and we will see you guys in the next one. Later. Sayonara.